the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of The Warriors, John Carpenter's The Thing, actor, singer-songwriter, and teacher, Thomas G. Waits. Thomas G. Waits, thank you so much for being on Podcasting After Dark, the man. And I want to <laughs> officially say uh, we are recording this a day after your birthday. So That's right. I turned birthday. 66 yesterday. Isn't that <laughs> happy amazing? Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, what a great birthday I had, too. It was just terrific. I, I can't imagine having a better birthday. I got $600 from Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, I'll leave that political opinion aside because I can't stand him. Um, <laughs> well, ditto, but you know. <laughs> I uh, got beautiful uh, flowers sent to me by my ex-wife and my children. Oh, nice. Um, I got a beautiful card from my son. I had a two-hour session, Zoom session with my family. That's great. Where I played them a couple songs on the guitar. And oh, cool. And uh, uh, Lisa, my ex-wife, played Happy Birthday on the ukulele. Uh, then um, I ran four miles outside around the park, which was great. Wow. Yeah, I'm about to do that when we conclude here. I'm trying to do it every day, uh, at least for working my way back up to six. But I had COVID, you know, in March. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, really badly. I mean, oh, it, wow. I felt like I went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson with 103 fever. Oh, wow. shit. Oh, I'm really uh, glad you, you're okay now. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So it took me a long time to get my, my wind back, so I run really slowly, like 11-minute miles. I, Sounds like me, <laughs> and I don't have COVID. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ten years ago I could do seven and a half minute miles, but okay. now I'm really slowly working my way back because running, I feel, keeps me in mental as well as physical condition. But more than that, it brings me good luck. It gets me more acting jobs, mm -hmm. and uh, most of all, 
it's just so hard. And if you can get that out of the way, then the rest of the day is like a piece of cake, you know? Have Have you been a runner uh, your whole life? Well, I I didn't in the beginning, but, you know, when I was around 23, 22, I realized, you know, it's really important that it's kind of the job description. You know, if you want the camera on your face and your body, you you probably better take care of yourself. So. Yeah. I I studied karate for a long time, but I I've I've always been running uh, commensurate with the karate I would run because you had to do a lot of uh, what they call kumite fighting full yep. contact fight. So they would say run a mile for each round, and sometimes we'd have to go six or eight or even ten rounds, you know, promotion. So wow, yeah. So I've always. Uh, kept up on that you know i of course wish i could do more but um you know there's so many other things to do uh in my life i you know i run tgw acting studio um directing a screenplay that i wrote this spring i'm raising the money for the screenplay i'm still auditioning as an actor uh i'm a director you know I'm a songwriter and singer, a musician, as you know, Zach. I sent yep. you some of my stuff. And so um, I'm a busy guy, you know, uh, and I don't always get as much time as I'd like. I want to talk about your music uh, today, first and foremost, but the fact that you are running four miles and you had COVID is very inspirational, I think, for many people who are going to listen to this going for people that have had COVID or people that are, you know, afraid of getting it. Yes. Because your lungs, your, you know, Wim Hof is a great inspiration for all this. Uh, if you keep your lungs malleable and flexible, then the, the virus can't get like the virus attacked from the head down and from the feet up, but it stopped somewhere in my lungs and my doctor was like look if it gets into your lungs you got to go in the hospital yeah but all that you know basically get out of breath as much as you possibly can that's the key okay that's what keeps your lungs flexible and that's what fights and then then you're immune because it's connected to your immune system your breath is connected to your immune system and your immune system as any doctor will tell you is your best defense against covid yeah. So I strongly recommend it, whether you're 66 or 16, um, get out there and run, dance, yoga, Pilates, whatever gets you out of breath. You know, um, I recommend doing that. Do you also do yoga too? With no, it? I, don't, no. I, I don't do anything except run and stretch and do push-ups and sit-ups and I take ice baths every morning from my ankles down. Oh, okay. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, well, I had arthritis, really serious arthritis. And I went to the doctor and they're like, look, you don't have any cartilage in your toe joints. We're going to have to remove your toe joints and replace them. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, and it's the most painful of all the replacements. I went, you know what? There has got to be deal with this, then, you know, 
getting your body chopped up. There just has to be a better way. I don't believe these doctors. And he showed me the x-rays. And it would have cost a fortune, even with health insurance. And I would have been hobbling around. Uh, 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 <laughs> so then I got turned on to Wim Hof around 2017. And his breathing exercises and exposure to cold and positive mental attitude cured not only my arthritis, but I was also terribly afflicted with depression. Hmm. You know, I was yep. at the, taking the maximum dose of antidepressants. I, I just became like a zombie. You know, I stopped feeling, I mean, I wasn't depressed, but I certainly wasn't happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, this guy is amazing. Wim Hof, you can look him up. There's tons of research. It's all scientifically based. And you can change your life. You know, you can change your whole deal. Yeah, I saw he he's uh, there's like a mini documentary on Netflix and say what you will about her. But um, Gwyneth Paltrow has a it's like a series on Netflix. And she sent her crew of the people that work at Goop or whatever they are out to go uh, do like a workshop with him and profile him. And really? it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing breath work. I've been I've been doing yoga since I was. 22 years old um, my Good brother broke you. his neck and yoga is what saved his life and kept him from being paralyzed um and you know we swear by the breath and swear by the body movement and Corey and i off the air we're just talking about herbal herbal supplements and things you can put in your body that are not that's pharmaceutical right. that's and right that Corey was even saying he's like i think the pharmaceutical company is hopefully is on its last legs because you know what it's doing to people is 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 the complete opposite of what it's supposed to do Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, young kids today, as soon as you have trouble in school, the first thing they do is go here. Here's a prescription for Adderall, yeah. which yeah. is basically speed. Yeah. OK. We did it when when we were kids in the streets of Philadelphia to stay up all night and party. Nothing could be worse for you than speed. I don't know how any doctor could sign off on that medication with a clear conscience. And yet they do. Yep. They push those pills friend of mine has a 16-year-old daughter. Well, she's not doing so well in math. Here you go. friend of mine has a daughter in college. Well, she's having trouble with biology. Here you go. The whole campus is on freaking Adderall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this a solution? This is not a solution. This is exacerbating the yeah. problem and making a lot of very rich motherfuckers totally. richer. Yep. yep. Yeah, I remember reading a couple of years ago a school. I don't remember where it was. They were trying um, meditation during uh, the detention after after school, and they were getting great results. You know, yep. with that. And I'm I'm with you guys. I discovered the awesomeness of learning to pay attention to your breathing. You know, like mm. five years ago. And even now, sometimes I'll feel like I'm getting anxious. I'm like, am I breathing? Oh no, I'm not. Let me. You know what I mean? Like you don't realize how much you stop breathing. You know. So yeah, yeah. I I fully recommend all of that too and take away all the Adderall take away we don't need it I'm sure there's I'm sure there's like one you know one percent I'm sure there is a necessary need for it but not this much you know maybe they found one person yeah. that hey yeah. had ADHD and it had a calming effect on him yeah. I'd like to see that person because <laughs> yeah. I don't believe a word of it yeah but they know they're going to make a fortune because you know once you get that buzz on I mean you know, you can do, you can drink more, you can stay up later, you can, you know, 
do your homework all in one night and uh, party the rest of the week. It isn't just bad for you. Over a period of time, it turns you into a freaking monster. I mean, I have yeah. this friend who was this sweet, quiet guy from Philadelphia. He was a carpenter, humble. We used to jam together. Yeah, we'd smoke some pot once in a while, hang out, have a few drinks. He's been on that shit for 20 years, and I'm telling you, this is not a human being. Yeah. He is so full of this over-exaggerated sense of himself. Like Trump. <laughs> I think he's on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. How else could you consciously do the stuff that he does? Yeah. I mean, he's he's got blood on his hands. And those Republican enablers have blood on their hands. And Fox News, they have blood. The, those people are dead, man. They're not wounded. They're, they took lives in the name of what? It's all falsification of the truth. Yep. 62 courts reject you and you say you it, it just because that, that's like, you know, me saying, oh, uh, Zach, I know you're married with children, but you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. But but I say you are. Therefore, not just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. Right. <laughs> You could say anything, you know. I could say I'm Eric Clapton. I'm not. <laughs> you know, it, it is really this whole fake news, and th yeah. there is a truth, okay? There is a truth. And the more we embrace the truth, the better we become. It's painful, sure. Do I wish I were a more successful actor? Yeah. I, do I wish I hadn't gotten fired from the Warriors? Yeah. Do I wish I had stopped drinking at 29 instead of 49? Yeah. But that's not the truth. The truth is. It simply is. And the great thing about being an actor or a performer is you have to be in the present with the truth. Or you're not going to be very interesting to watch. <laughs> you know, you just aren't. You got to be in the moment. We call it being in the moment. You're either in it or you're not. That's the truth. I love that you're in the moment with us right now sharing Thank this. You. Because honestly, nice you know, we could have opened up and we will cover some of our film, some of the movies and television you've been in because we're huge fans, obviously. But I think okay. what's important is breaking it down and saying, look. This this is this is the human side. This is the real side to what we all want to get to. This is the truth, you know, yep. that this world we live in is not a fantasy. And unlike some people that are living in it right now thinking it is. And, you know, I was and telling drugs my son, and alcohol do that. Yeah, they do. They do. I, I told my son, I said, villain, the villains you see in the cartoons you love are actually have more morals and more values than some of the people that are running our country right now. That's right. And and I think, um, you know, we've all had I, uh, speaking personally, had people in my life that have uh, had substance abuse problems and, and some had gotten over it. Some didn't, unfortunately. And uh, you hope that there's more cases like yours where you were able to overcome and and break through those demons and, and look at yourself now saying, Okay, after this, I'm going to go run four miles versus going, I'm going to go shoot up, you know, or whatever. The, the hardest thing I have ever done. For me, 
my drug of choice was alcohol. For me to get through a day without a drink was a miracle. I couldn't walk by a bar 17 years ago. I couldn't. But one day at a time, with the grace of God and the help of Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I, I've been able to put together 16 and a half years without a drink. I, I haven't done much right. But I did that right. I didn't, didn't well, we're not drink. perfect, you know. We're not perfect, and and no. I, I tell my son that every day. There's there's no such thing as perfect. That's right. You just you get up every morning. You do the you best try. you try. Yeah, and you try. That's all you do is try. The only bad, the only thing you can be sure of in life is if you do nothing, nothing will happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, fir I firmly believe that. Yes. I yesterday I was working out and um, and I said to my son, I really don't want to work out today. You know, and I said, there are, there are days when I get up and I just don't want to do anything. I just want to sit there like a slug. And I said, but you can either be the slug that someone eventually steps on and crushes and kills, or you can be mm. the cricket that gets up and jumps every now and then you That's know, right. to avoid the, and uh, he's like, I want to be the cricket. And I said, me too. I said, do you want to work out with me? He goes, no. And I said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> no, I love this kid. <laughs> he's a smart kid. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, he knows. You, you, you talked him all the way into it, then no. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> That's so you go do that, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> you go but, be uh, the cricket, Dad. But but getting back to what you're saying earlier about, I want to talk about your music, and yeah. you know this has been obviously we shared off air, um, you know that that you feel very passionate about about your music, your songs that you've written or uh, performed on, and has music always been a part of your life? Uh, it's a really interesting story because. And that's why you're here to tell it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, I have a lot of interesting stories. I am going to write a book someday. You better. I, you know, was a student at Juilliard in the 70s, the mid-70s. And, you know, Juilliard is the greatest school for music in the world. So I was stone tone deaf. Okay. You, you could play an E-flat on the piano and I would sing anything but an E-flat. <laughs> <laughs> So I got cast in a play by this great uh, Russian director from the Moscow Art Theater, Boris Tumarin. And it was a play called The Lower Depths. And in it, I had to play the guitar and sing the song. A very difficult song to sing. I mean, the sun rises and sets, and my cell is dark and dreary. Difficult. I had to play the guitar and sing that song. And I go, listen, I don't play the guitar and I don't sing. I can't do either. And he goes, oh, no, you must. I go, but 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 I can't. I I've never picked up a guitar in my life, and I can't sing. I'm tone deaf. So he goes, you must learn. So I went out with twenty five dollars of your money, and I bought a guitar, an old Epiphone, and I mean, if you wanted a party cleared, you'd ask me to play. Okay, <laughs> I was so bad, it wasn't fun, but. I'm an extremely tenacious individual. 
So I would in the stairwells at Juilliard sit there. I'd get, you know, these great musicians to tune my guitar for me. There were no tuners then. And I learned, and by the time that production went up, I sang that freaking song and I sang it well. And I led the entire company and I played it perfectly. But that was how I got into music was, uh, you know, I was forced to, to play a role. And then, you know, I started, then I left, I got kicked out of Juilliard actually, even though they say I'm a graduate because it, it helped them. I don't know. It, then I started get, getting cast in roles where I had to sing a lot. <sighs> so I just kept up with the guitar and the singing and kept going. And then I found out I had, I don't know if you want to call it a gift, a propensity. I can write a song. I know how to write songs. I, I don't know if they're great songs. I think some of them are good. Audiences seem to enjoy them when I perform them, especially with my band. Um you know, I'm no Bruce Springsteen, but uh, I have a gift and I have the discipline and the desire to, I am a decent rhythm guitar player and I'm a good lyricist and I write some good melodies. So I believe if you're given a gift, you have a responsibility to exploit it. No doubt. Yep. And I love my music. I mean, I just, I could, I... I have written so many songs, man. It's just, it, it, it's like, almost like I get possessed by the, like uh, you saw the song I wrote for my friend Clark. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah. Uh, you know, his death, real Clark Middleton, a great actor on Twin Peaks, uh, Kill Bill 2. I mean, his, the list goes on and on, Blacklist. And this was a guy afflicted with severe arthritis. So mm. one could even say that he was physically challenged. Well, he was one of my oldest and dearest friends coming up. And, you know, his death was, it, it just came out of nowhere and it hit me uh, so hard. And what do you do with those feelings? You know, so I sat down and I wrote uh, Clarkie and, uh, I think it's a really nice song. Maybe you can play it for your fans sometime. Yeah, we're actually going to play a little clip of it right now. He was a man like no other. Responsibility, second nature. He had a talent, the golden power. A man of his size, he wielded stature. He was my friend. My brother came up in New York City together. Clarky was a man you would remember. Clarky was a man like no other. Clark, you know I'm gonna miss you. Clark, you know I'm gonna miss you. Clark, you know I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you real bad. I'm quite proud of it. As you should be, because it, it's not just that song, but the fact that you walked into something terrified, forced to do it in a way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and here it has become your passion, yeah. and, and you continue to do it today. Obviously, yeah. acting, and in, in I think our audience specifically will know you from you know certain genre roles, but but you have such a more much more expansive 
career, as a musician, as a teacher, you know, as an, as an influencer of life. I mean, the fact that, and I know I keep going back to it, but the fact that you have overcome these demons in your life yep. and you're here to tell us about it yep. and so forthcoming and truthful um, speaks volumes, I think, for your integrity and character. Thank you. And I think, uh, I mean, stuff like that's important because I, as an artist growing up, um, visual artist, I always labored under the assumption that if you had no musical ear at all, like I don't, and you didn't at first, I always assumed you could never pick up music, but it's nice to hear that. No, no, it's, and, and cause no one ever told me when I was younger, but no, it's like, no, you can still pick up music. You can still learn how to do anything you don't have to have that innate you know uh you know and, and but i'm sure you do but it's nice to actually hear that that you can actually pick things up even if you don't have that particular skill set right away and as an artist it's it's nice to hear those things as well you can do anything in this life with two things desire and discipline yep yeah the only thing stopping you is you no matter what it is if you want to be the President of Chase Manhattan Bank sounds revolting <laughs> to me, but hey, yeah, uh, you know, you set your sights on that and you take the necessary steps, you know, and even if you don't get there, as we mentioned before, as long as you try, man, the only sin is in not trying. How will you ever know if you don't try? Yeah, I fully agree with that. If I ended up not doing Annie Get Your Gun in seventh grade, which I really didn't want to do, <laughs> then I probably wouldn't be here today, I guess. So uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I have to thank my theater so teacher. There you have it. Ah, man, I, I missed out. I, did, I wasn't in theater in, in school. I was one of the, I was one of the AV kids, of course, but oh, not yeah. the, of course, <laughs> but Techie, not theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> speaking of speaking of, um, you know, doing things that that push you out of your comfort zone or, uh, you know, put you in a difficult position you know when when i was a kid and i saw the warriors for the first time as a kid as like a six-year-old kid i think mm -hmm. i was and uh and and that movie changed my life um obviously didn't know the story of what had happened to you on set um but but outside of that lens always appreciated and loved your character to this day Thank you. And, you know, I even wrote a note to my, I write these notes to my son, these lunch notes I do every day. I've been making them since he was two years old or 18 months, actually, going to preschool. And then I'll insert my own characters that I admire. And then I talk about something motivational. They're always little motivational notes. And, mm -hmm. and I threw the fox in there the other day. And he's like, hey, he's cool. I said, yeah, he's a warrior <laughs> of peace. Try to keep the peace, you know. <laughs> and obviously, you know, 40 years, 40 plus years have gone by and, and that film, you've been able to reconnect in a way, right? Well, you know, it was a sad story. I mean, you know, I was a big pain in the ass to the director and also I wasn't doing good work as an actor and that led him to conclude, you know, I got to get rid of this guy. He was under a lot of pressure, you know, from the studio and over budget and behind schedule. And I guess his last two movies hadn't done as well as he would have liked. So he was under enormous strain and I just did whatever wrong thing you could do. I did and pissed the guy off so much that he was just like, I don't want you to come back. And, um, that was very painful for me. And, uh, 
you know, it forced me to get into psychotherapy, which helped. It forced me to uh, study karate for 10 years, which gave me a sense of discipline. Totally. Um, but then, you know, they sent me the movie and said, you know, where do you want your name? Because I was supposed to be at the above. The, it was supposed to be Thomas. Thomas Waits in The Warriors. And now, obviously, I was still in it, but not, you know, the lead. And I was still, you know, I was 23, 24 years old. I was an arrogant prick. And I said, take my name off the movie. You know, I wanted to, like, get them back, you know, for firing me. Wow. And that just shows, you know, immaturity. It shows the mind of an active alcoholic, a vengeful person, uh, you know, with insidious intent and that always comes back to haunt you you know and um and i really regret that and i've tried to make amends with walter and tried to forgive myself for it which is the most important part but i'm glad the movie went on and was a big success for a lot of people it's you know it's helped me i mean people even say to me well don't you feel like a, a guy a guy some guy's writing a book about the warrior some english dude and he called me a couple of weeks ago and he's like, well, don't you feel like a hypocrite? I mean, you go to these autograph signings and you sign autographs for a movie that you took your name off. And I go, yeah, I do feel like a hypocrite, but it beats pushing dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and if you had two kids, you'd understand what I mean, pal. Far greater tragedies in life than, uh, yeah, they're you far, know. And plus, I, the, mm, 90% of the fans are also fans of the thing. Mm -hmm. Of course. So yeah. that's a legitimate deal. And I love to meet the fans. I love to meet the people. You know, look, I'm lucky to have one fan, let alone hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands all over the world, you know, because I've been to Germany and England. And, you know, uh, it's great to meet them. And I always try to really give them a moment, you know, like, take a mental photograph with them to acknowledge my gratitude that they've enjoyed my work. I work hard, but, you know, of course I do it for the audience. You know, what I do, I do for the audience. Clearly, clearly. I mean, I, I know speaking personally, uh, and I know Corey will, will chime in in a moment, but um, uh, the phrase, fuck you, Palmer, will always be stuck <laughs> in my head. That is by far my favorite line. Hey, fuck you, Palmer. <laughs> we say we say that all each other, all the time, That's back and forth story. to each other. <laughs> it's a love note. It's a love note. Yeah, My son funny. is not hearing this, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's funny because, uh, you know, I named myself Window. You like, did. You know, the character's name originally was John Sanchez. Oh. Then uh, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell had seen me in American Buffalo the night before with Al Pacino. So they brought me into audition. They cast me and I flew to L.A. and then they changed the guy's name to John Simmons because I obviously don't, don't look like Sanchez. Sanchez. <laughs> I'm about as Irish and Scottish as they come. <laughs> so one day I was walking down the boardwalk in, you know, Venice and I picked up these green sunglasses and I wore them into rehearsal and I rehearsed with them on. Nice. And I said to John, uh, Hey, John, I want everybody to call me Windows from now on. This is the glasses. And he goes, it's a drag on a cigarette. 
okay. <laughs> hey, you guys, Tommy wants everyone to call him Windows. So that's his name from now on. And Palmer fucking hated it. Oh, really? David <laughs> I, I didn't know this at the time. He never told me, but I saw an interview with him, and he's like, what kind of a random, stupid... It's got nothing to do with anything. I mean, you decide. If you like it, I guess it's okay. But I, I did. I had no idea. And, and, and I love David. He's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. But he did not like it. And so that fuck you, Palmer, happened right around, you know, like the tension had been building between the two of us. And I didn't know, what, what's this asshole so pissed off at me for? And I, well, fuck you, Palmer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I love it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, he's a very successful, talented actor, David Clement. Very talented. You know, Yale School of Drama. I mean, he, he's a real formidable presence uh, on screen and on stage, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it, it, and, and well, first of all, uh, I'm a big fan of G.I. Joe, and so, and I see they've got random names, Snow Job and uh, Snake Eyes, and, you know, my son's like, why is he called Snake Eyes? I, I'm like, I don't know. So Palmer uh, Windows works for me. Yeah. You had sunglasses I think on. It, I think it really makes, and plus, what in the name of God are you doing wearing sunglasses in Antarctica? <laughs> well, you were cool. I mean, it's, it's Windows, <laughs> it was, man. It was cool. It was like, it was the one, you know, if you notice, he's reading like movie magazines. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to be a movie star. You know, I mean, that was the logic I uh, had created for the character that he wanted to, when he, once he got out of the Navy or whatever the fuck they were in, uh, he was going to move to Hollywood and become you know, Brad Pitt in his <laughs> mind, you know. Well, you know what uh, Richard Pryor used to say, right? If you wear your sunglasses indoors, you're an asshole. <laughs> I didn't know that. So my I wife did you know, not know that. That fits so perfectly. <laughs> my wife's going to hate me for this, but I used to tell her that line. She's like, I like to wear sunglasses inside. I'm like, no, 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 not you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you, yeah. Not everyone except you. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> you're the exception <laughs> to that rule. <laughs> you're not an asshole. Well, but it's it's cool because those things that you took, brought to the character and created, I mean, we all, like, you know, you, you talk online and everyone and everything, and, oh, Windows, yeah, Windows, yeah. Everyone loves freaking Windows, man. That's it's so it's Windows. Like, there's no other... I can't even think I mean, of that character. Yeah, John. nothing else, man. It's always <laughs> Windows, bro. Like all my and even my friends who aren't like you know crazy horror movie people or anything like that. They're all like, oh, I know Windows. Windows from the thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wait, wasn't he also in the Warriors? Yeah, Fox. Yeah, that guy. But like Windows, everybody freaking knows Windows. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think an actor, an actor has to have an imagination. You know. Yeah. Um, you look at the great actors like Marlon Brando in On the Waterfront, you know, he he's playing a boxer and he has um, that scene with the girl where she drops her glove and he picks it up and puts it on his hand. And, you know, he's a boxer, of course, he's used to putting gloves, you know. Like the imagine, like nobody directed him to do that. That's no. just his imagination connected to his subconscious that is free, and that's what great acting is: is it's, it's, it's freedom. 
connect to your subconscious mind so you can reach the subconscious mind of your audience. And, and so John Carpenter let you kind of explore these these things with Windows then. That's right. John, John, was, John is a great director. I mean, he's a great director because he creates a great atmosphere. Oh, yeah. He, he yeah, loves totally. his actors and he, he he's not sitting there going, you know, in out of he's relaxed and he's having fun. He lets us have fun. He lets, lets us experiment. And, you know, um, he's just the... He's one of the best directors I've ever worked with, and primarily because he's just such a good person. A good director is a good person. You know, and I know I've been directed by some real pieces of shit. <laughs> Manipulative, wow. cunning, you know, just trying to fuck the leading actress, just trying to, you know, manipulate and yeah that's not a director a director is a leader a director is a mentor yeah you know um john's one of the best john norman jewison uh, a director by the name of robert ackerman he mostly is a stage director a director who is long since dead a black director from trinidad named dennis scott these are great directors these are guys that have a vision of what Walter Hill's a great director. He he's more of a you know a film. He's not really an actor's director by his own admission, but he's a great film director. He sees, he has a vision for the film of how it's meant to be. Yeah. And obviously, I didn't fit into that vision, which I, I do, as I mentioned, regret. I have remorse. I don't have regret. I had to do it. I had to make those mistakes. But I feel remorse. Remorse is healthy. If you don't have remorse, you'll never change. But regret is, is useless. Nothing I can do now. It's 42 years ago. You know what I mean? I can apologize and say, can I do anything to make up for the harm I caused you? Yeah. And then that's it. Then let it go. And it's up to the sun and the moon and the stars to take care of it after that. We all make mistakes. All of us. In every profession. Not one person alive. If you don't make mistakes, you're not human. Yeah. It's learning how the only prejudice I have is making the same mistake twice. Hmm. That's bet. not that's not cool. But I, I I also I mean it's it's so important to have like you, your voice like talking about this because so many people just yeah i never made a mistake no no i'm infallible no we don't want to talk yeah. about it but we all we all learn we we all learn as a as a as a as a society and as a species from each other's mistakes if we're willing to listen or and but what's most important is that the person who made the mistakes is like hey guys and gals here's what happened i'm going to tell you you know, hopefully you can learn from it. And I mean, yeah. that's, that's huge because there's not a lot of people in the world who, who will admit it and, and right. take it to heart and try to actually make society better uh, from their experiences. Yeah, if I can help one person from avoiding the suffering that I self-inflicted suffering, self-inflicted demise that I created in my life then the whole deal is worth it some kid listening to this goes you know what maybe i'm gonna say yes maybe i'm gonna you know be a little more kind or a little more gentle because i was a poor kid 
you know, basically sleeping on park benches and then literally, and then all of a sudden, you know, I was making a lot of money and I didn't handle it well, you know, it went to my head and I started to believe my own, pre you know, it wasn't good. It's not good. Always remain humble and grateful. If you're grateful, you'll be humble. If you're humble, you'll be grateful. And if yeah. you're those two things, it's, it's, not too much bad stuff is going to happen to you. I mean, bad stuff's going to happen to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I th I think it's I mean, and it happens to a lot of young musicians too. you know, sure. uh, they, they fall, you get a lot of money real quick. And oh, it's like, man. all of a sudden, it, and that's, that's tells you like, that'll show you what your moral fortitude is going into the situation, how you handle all this success and fame and everything. songwriting and performing you've also been teaching for quite a while right and obviously that's another passion of yours yeah i really love teaching it, it isn't uh, it's like my music it isn't like oh you know i gotta teach i get into it man and i have a lot of experience obviously and i'm great the best training in the world from juilliard and i master of Shakespeare, but I can do Shakespeare very well and teach it well, but I have them doing breathing exercises. And I was talking about it. And this one young, you know, rather attractive woman in the class says over Zoom, obviously, you know, she, it's amazing. You should say that, she said, because in the beauty magazines now they're saying oxygen is what keeps your skin young. Yes. And, you know, I'm not surprised at all. Of course, oxygen and water, you know, two which we're doing our best to destroy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that's one of the benefits of this pandemic. And people think it's just such a horrible thing. And it is being locked up all the time. It's a drag and you can't go to restaurants. You can't meet anybody. You can't go to plays. You can't go to movies. My favorite things. Uh, but Mother Nature is going, time out. Yep. You've poisoned the ocean. There's a, a chunk of plastic the size of Texas in the Pacific Ocean. You, you, what you've done to the air with the chemicals in the, and worse than all of those things, you know this virus came from wet markets in China. Mm -hmm. 
wet markets are where they, you know, chop the heads off of live bats and boil them, and the blood gets intermixed with chopping the nuts off of a gorilla because they think it's going to make them live. And all the blood intermixed. Yep. And the virus sprang out of that intermingled blood in the dirt and glommed onto a human, and it hasn't stopped since. Message, universe, don't eat meat. Yeah. You don't need it. You don't need meat. And whoever thinks they do, you know, oh, but I like it. Look, you can, I haven't eaten meat in 40, 43 years. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And I feel great. I never get sick. I never have colds. I, you know. Totally. I, I tell well, you. I mean, it's proof in the pudding. <laughs> you, yep. you overcame COVID at uh, uh, 64, I believe you said. 65, 65. 65 yeah. 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 I mean, that's. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm one of the. And there's a lot of people that aren't so lucky. And I'm so sad for them. You guys are in L.A., right? Yeah. Well, Corey's in Oregon and I'm, I'm in Santa Monica. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's I mean, it's a different story up here in Oregon than, than L.A. But uh, yeah. And then I, I'm actually better in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, a bit better. But I'm actually originally from the East Coast, uh, Maryland, so cl close to Philly and everything, and uh, hence my Baltimore Ravens uh, cap. But uh, my mom's still there, so yeah. <laughs> Go yeah, Ravens! Yeah, LA is a mess right now, and oh, uh, you know, awful. my wife and I have been relatively vegan for the past uh, several years, and I've already noticed a major difference. Major difference. I mean, even if you just don't eat meat, I mean, if, if you eat cheese and you know, uh, eggs and, and milk and stuff. I mean, even that's okay. But, but yeah, leave these poor animals alone. You ever look at a cow? Yeah. How could you ki kill some? They're so sweet. They emanate such peace. And, and we're slitting their throats and chopping their heads off for a steak. It's, we don't need to. It's bad no. for the environment. Right. It, it's bad for our karma, if you ask me. Oh, totally. Well, you some know. cultures believe it's the cow is sacred, right? Absolutely. So. <laughs> for a reason. That's a, that didn't come out of nothing. You know, and, and I, I showed my son uh, Charlotte's Web years ago when he years ago when he was three. And there's the joke in the in the film when uh, well, in the live action one where they're cooking bacon right after she saved Fern saves Wilbur. And my wife and I laugh and, and Bodie, my son, he's like, why, why, why are you laughing? And I told him the joke and he's like oh pig is bacon i go yeah he goes i don't want to eat it anymore and i said Good okay for him. and then from that point on we all stopped and um you know and then the cow's the same deal octopus the same deal when we realize how intelligent an octopus is they're super you know? smart <clears throat> yeah and there's a documentary right now on netflix um oh the white like, teacher yeah yeah what's and it called octopus teacher i think it's called it's and, uh, one scientist that like studied like an octopus for like years and like all the crazy stuff that he discovered, you know, that they can they become do friends. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's really Are cool. you serious? Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. It's fascinating. It's worth, worth checking out because then yeah. uh, it just shows you that these sentient creatures, you yes. know, it's w w why? Yeah. Uh, impossible. Burgers? When you don't need to, you know, if you eat grains and beans and rice, they grow back. Yeah. You know, you, you're not uh, you're not harming anyone. It, it grows back. You're not killing it. It doesn't have a mother. No. And I'll tell you, the technology they have now. They can make 
it's steak. It tastes just like it. When, it tastes when, just like it, and you don't have to harm a thing. Right? Yeah. 20... I've, I've eaten one of those Impossible Burgers. I can't tell the difference at they're all. Great. Yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah, they're fine. They're yeah. fine. They're delicious. They sell the Burger King, so, yep. what, you know, what do you want? Yep. <laughs> but I was gonna, I was going to say, you brought up your acting school. Yes. I wanted to talk about that. How long have you been running your acting? How long has it been going on? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I never had any intention of being a teacher. I never thought of myself as a teacher. But the strange thing was, is, you know, when I was young and, and going from play to play to movie to movie to play to movie, everyone would come up to me and say, hey, would you watch my scene and tell me what you think is wrong mm. with it? Or what, yeah. What? And so I... You know, I'm a nice guy, you know, like, sure, you know, I need to watch the play anyway, see where I fit in. And I would give them notes and I would find that it would improve their performances. And then I don't know if you're a fan of the Sopranos or not. Uh, oh, yeah. More of a fan of that, Oz, but. Uh, I'm... Yeah, Oz is great. Uh, Big Pussy, Vinnie mm -hmm. Pastor. Yep, he, yep. He was a, a nightclub owner back in. 1981 when he came to see american buffalo and he waited for me to say hello after the play and he invited my band up to play and he paid us i don't know six hundred dollars which was more money than we ever dreamed of getting paid as musicians and uh he's like so tom well I, I, my club's going under i got I want to be an actor. What do you What do you do? How do How do you become an actor? I always wanted to become an actor. How do you do it? I go. Well, you have to get trained. And he said, "By who?" And I said, "Well, I can teach you if you want." So he would rent a room in an old flea bag hotel in Times Square, and he was my first student. And before I knew it, I had thirty people in a class. Wow. I had to rent a big space and. I found I had a, I'm a good teacher. I'm a good teacher because first of all, I love my students, like cherish them and I push them. A good teacher is someone that pushes you past where you think you can go. Yes, I agree. And, 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 and I know how to do that. And not only that, the way that I teach in TGW Acting Studio is I direct you basically. I, I'm really not that interested if you use Strasburger, Meisner, or this. Or, there are a million different techniques for, for process, as long as you get there. Yeah. I'm like the only acting teacher that you'll ever hear say, I don't care about your process. Let's try six different processes. I want results. I want you to work on this scene from this play as if you have to open four weeks from now on Broadway. How would you do it? I mean, I'm, I imagine like different processes for different actors work differently. Like we're all, That's you right. know, cause we're all different. Yeah. And you, yeah. your, your goal is, is to get them to the end result, no matter how they get there. That's right. There is no method. You know, people talk about method. The only method there is, is the one that works. Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I taught kindergarten for 15 years, right. And not, and every kid is totally different. Every kid's a different learner. That's right. You know, That's and right. so there's a curriculum, right, that every school follows, a district or whatever, mm -hmm. and they expect the kids to learn that curriculum. Well, how they get to where they get is up to the way they are, who yep. they are. And, you know, 
I would have parents come come up to me and say, well, why isn't my son reading like that kid? I said, because your son is not ready yet. When he's ready, he'll it'll take off. It'll click. You know, his style, what gets him to connect? What make, And when you... When you're forced to do something that you don't want to do, you get turned off by it. Yep. You know, when you're probably when you when you're forced to act a certain way and it's not working for you, you're not connecting with the character because that technique That's is just right. not clicking. That's right. But when you do find that thing, it you take off from there, right? Yeah, and um, I think it's really important that people learn how to deal with what's going on with them now. I just broke up with my girlfriend now, today. How can that inform the scene? I'm hungry. How can that inform the way I say, oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I? Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in a fiction, a dream of passion, could force so his soul to his own conceit, and that from all her working and his visage wand, tears in his eyes, distractions aspect, a broken voice, and his whole function suiting with forms to his conceit, and all for nothing. For Hecuba, what's Hecuba to him, Mojita Hecuba, that he should weep for her? I'm showing off, but you get the idea. No, I... <laughs> I was completely engaged, yeah. <laughs> like, wait, keep going, keep going. Yeah, don't <laughs> stop. It's a good idea to have an acting teacher that can act. Yeah. yeah. There are so many of these acting teachers that, like, never act. They, they don't know what it means to carry a movie on their back. They don't know what it means to be on Broadway. They don't know what it means to carry an episodic on your back. They don't know what it means to, you know, do any of this stuff. And they have these schools all over the place. Like, how can you teach something you've never done? Would you want to fly in a plane with a guy that was never a pilot? Nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, for fuck's sake. It, there's one guy, I can't, can't remember his name, but he started, I think he's got two schools in L.A. And so, because I, I was looking around at websites, how to make my own. and it, He was a boom mic holder <laughs> on a movie. Now, this, what's this guy possibly know? I want to ask you what that would be like saying, hey, Tom, my, uh, my, my, my toilet needs to be fixed. Here's the tools. Go fix. I, yeah. I don't know what to yeah. do. Yeah. Perfect, perfect analogy. Yeah, because I, I don't he touch plumbing. I have no idea. I don't know where to begin. It, 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 I'm not a plumber. Yeah, right. Calling a professional. But people just, there are so, you know, actors are so unfortunately desperate and gullible and yeah. i am too susceptible which is a key component to being a good actor that they fall into these places where they just get robbed blind and you know i really make it a point to i make them get their money's worth out of me i mean i haunt them i i i'm the only acting teacher that won't charge for private lessons for my tuition paying students. I'm like, wow. okay, Sunday, two o'clock, be here. Sunday, 3.30, you be here. Sunday, seven o'clock, we'll work with you. If we have to do it FaceTime, okay, if we do it, come to my apartment, no extra charge. I'm not doing this to rob struggling actors. Yeah, I'm doing it to give them the confidence to be like, hey, I can do this. And I know how to make it good. That anybody can sit there and watch a scene and go, you know, that really sucks. Uh, okay, then what? How do you fix it? How do you make it better? Yeah. 
Well, you can't say to be or not to be. It doesn't make any sense. It's to be or not to be. That is the question. You know, there are words that must be emphasized. There's breathing, there's phrasing, there are things you can do to teach, to, to inform, to instruct, you know, to inspire, to inspire, to aspire, to, to strive to become greater than you are. That's what teaching is all about. You know, it's a performing arts profession whether you're teaching math or science or acting you're performing you better hold their attention or let me tell you something when you're a self-employed you know and, and it's my own acting school if, if i don't teach well they, they don't come back and my kids don't eat right and so i'd better do a good job a damn good job or you know uh like i say I'd be pushing dirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we as a society would be much better off if all teachers thought the way you did and tried to put it that much effort in. And I'm not saying that there aren't. There's a lot of teachers that do. Yeah, but there are all of them of did great. in every single category, we would be the best nation on, on the earth. You know? I've had some great teachers in my time. The great Robert Neff Williams was my voice and speech teacher. He's passed away. Um, Stephen Aaron, Gene Lesser, all acting teachers at Juilliard, Peggy Freed, um, Liz Smith, the great voice teacher, uh, the great Edith Warman Skinner, Tim Monick, top dialect coach in the country. These people were the best in the world, and, and I was a recalcitrant learner. Okay. Mm. I was about as interested in sitting in that classroom as jumping out a window. I was trying to find the hottest chick that I could get a date with. And, but despite, against my own better judgment, I learned, you know, I learned. And it is a, the people that can work with the most people are the people that work the most. Hmm. Amen. I've had yeah. to put up with some real pieces of work in my time. People that are just downright irascible, I mean, difficult, you know, sometimes for different reasons. And but you have to acting is the meeting of a crisis and dealing with it. You've got to meet the crisis, whatever it is, and deal with it. And we as an audience watch you. Now, there's a character going through a crisis, but you, too, as an actor are going through a crisis. Yeah. And who knows what it is? Maybe you didn't sleep last night. Maybe you're, like I say, you're breaking up with your girlfriend or your your kid is sick. You know, I mean, uh, I remember you appreciate this as a, a parent. I got cast uh, for the third time in Equalizer, the original Equalizer oh, yeah, I love TV show. show. Yeah. And we really needed the dough. Okay, I had a house, a mortgage, a kid, and my son got the croup. So they had to put him in the hospital in a tent to breathe. Mm. Then my wife at the time, Lisa, she got the flu really badly. So they put her in a bed right next to him. And I'm supposed to report to the set tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't abandon my wife and my kid. No. And... Steve Lang, who's a friend of mine, he got the job. Oh, good for him. At least it went to a good person. But 
you know, that was the crisis. The crisis was I couldn't do the job. You know, it's a shame. Uh, I was really struggling at that point. It was right after the actors, directors, writers strike all happened at once in the 80s. And work was hard to come by, you know, like it is now. But uh, you keep on fighting, man. You just keep on fighting. And you find avenues, too, to expand yourself, you know, obviously as a teacher now and musician. And, yep. you know, music, the world's always going to need music. The always. Always. And thank God the world has you in it. And I'm, and I'm not just, you know, as, as I like to say, I'm not just glazing your donut. Uh, I'm being super sincere because the fact that, that we connected uh, and you agreed to come on the show, it's a real honor. I, I cannot tell you enough how much it means to have you on our show because you know it, it, and 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 to have your story and your journey told to us because it's really inspiring i think people are going to hear this and go wow um <laughs> i can do what i want to do and i yeah, can make it that, happen that's exactly and that's what i teach too is if i can do it then definitely you can do it because there is nothing about me that is in any way, shape, or form special, unique, or different than you. Well, there is one difference, though, I think. Corey and I have it, and many of our fr friends and family have it, but not everybody does, is, is the idea of forgiveness, uh, acceptance. Um, That's forgiving hard yourself, people. especially. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard for people to do that. It's hard for people to do that. You know, yeah, we're conditioned in a society of you know, success and failure, you know, we're conditioned in a society where we're almost afraid to be successful because we're so conditioned to fail. Yeah. You know, you want to be an actor when you, nothing's going to happen. You know, I'm writing and directing and raising the money, as I mentioned, for my first feature film called Target. You're never going to be able to raise the money. It's a pandemic. I'm 85% there. Thank you very much. Yes. Nice. nice. And if you awesome. do the movie, nobody's going to want, nothing's going to happen with it. Okay. You know, w what I say to those people is, yes, yes, you're right. It goes in one ear and right out the other. Yep, 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 yep. I've heard no so many times in 45 years as an actor. Nope, nope, nope. They don't want you. Nope, nope, nope. It's like getting kicked down the stairs for a living. Rejection yeah. is my bread and butter. I mean, what are you going to say? What are you going to do to me? I haven't done it myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. But all you need is one yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. Just one person to say, yes. Yep. I want this guy. And then everything changes. And then all those people that said no are like, hey, 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 would you come into my office? I have a, hey, hey, could, would you read my script? Hey. And you watch the tables turn with a vengeance. And there again, you have to be forgiving. You know, you mustn't be, just because people don't get you or get it, you know, forgive them and move on, get past it, you know. Life is about love, man. You know, find what you love. I don't care if it's a bird in the sky. I don't care if it's your pet mouse. I don't care if it's, you know, my, ex-wife and children sending me these flowers find that's a beautiful something thing love yeah that's a beautiful I thing love being loved you yeah. know i mean i feel so fortunate 
follow and, your bliss follow the thing that makes you happy and yeah that's what joseph campbell said is follow your bliss and and he's right but deeper than that and yeah. i think more metaphysical is love your life hmm. you know nietzsche has an expression called amore fate which means love your fate love your life and this guy had a tough life let me hmm. tell you i mean the once and only time he ever had sex, he got syphilis. That'll he was off. kicked in the chest by a horse with both hooves during a war they had volunteered for. Wow. He had dysentery. He was, he suffered tremendously. And the last thing he was known to say in his life as he was desperately trying to hobble on this walkway in the Swiss Alps where the air would hopefully cure his lungs, he said to his female companion, do you know what I love? Do you want to know what I love? I love the people that don't know. Hmm. Beautiful. And that's a very uh, metaphysical, philosophical concept, but also important for actors because... If you go into a scene and you have the lines all memorized, like they're printed on your forehead, you know, here I go, I'm going to say my line now, yeah. then you're not going to be very interesting. You know, Mickey Rourke was a great, great, still is a great actor, was a great film actor. And you could never tell what he was going to say. Never seemed like lines. It seemed like just he didn't know. He allowed himself to not know and to discover during the course of a scene and that's what made him one of the things that made him so brilliant you know that ability to not know that's what i applaud and and that's what i teach too i mean of course you have to have an objective in the scene that means you have to know what you want you have to play actions that means how do you want the person to feel right so if zach just uh you know stole my wallet and i see him the next day and i say Hey, Zach, how are you? It's going to be very different than if, you know, we were up all night watching a great movie. Yeah. You know, Zach, how are you? As opposed to, Zach, how are you? Same <laughs> words. Yeah, totally. Same three words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they can make you feel completely different according to how they're delivered, according to what you affect them. So yeah, that's my acting school and that's what I do. Thomas G. Waits, cannot thank you enough and thank you so much for being on the show and we will be talking to you again really soon for sure. I hope so. Keep in touch, all right? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank right, you. Take care. It's really a pleasure. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with Thomas G. Waits. And, as always, thank you for your support. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.